Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. But today's message is simply titled, Living the Living Word. Living the Living Word. Um, kind of the, 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 the thoughts of today's message is, um, you know, why are we here? What are we here for? God, what is our, what is our purpose? What are we, we, we want to be used by God. Would any of you agree that I believe the purpose, one of the reasons God has us here is to use our life, to use our skills, to use our talents, to use the things that he has gifted us with, to use them for his, his glory. Anybody agree with that this morning? Um, I remember, like, has anybody had a moment in your life where you just look back and you're like, wow, I, I can't believe I'm still here. Has anybody ever done that? Or am I the only one? I mean, I've had a few, and this is just a, a simple driving incident. I remember I was, I don't know, I was in high school, 16, 17, 18 years old, and I was taking one of the um, Stretz boys home from church on a Wednesday night, because we, we used to stay late on Wednesdays, and it was, you all, you all know David, it was his older brother Jake. And I was taking him home, and if you know, like, they live on the south side of town, and my family lived in the northwest side of town, and I was in my red truck, and I remember driving home late on a Wednesday, and I still kind of do this. Does anybody here ever just get tired as they're driving? Am I the only one? But I remember driving home, and, and after dropping him off, and, and where we used to live was Craig Road in the 95, and I remember, this is what I remember, I remember falling asleep at the wheel, and, and I remember like, I don't remember passing Alexander. Does anybody know that overpass at Alexander? And yet, I remember, like, this was before we had those big walls in Las Vegas to make our freeways look really beautiful, the concrete walls. How many, how many of us love those? No, I'm teasing, right? But there was a lot of space off of Craig Road and a lot of dirt, and so I re all I remember doing was waking up, and I was in, like, a tailspin in my red truck, and the, the vehicle came to a stop literally, like, 10 feet away from somebody's backyard wall. Like, it was literally like that, and I remember just kind of, like, waking up going, Oh my goodness, and it was like I was on the Craig Road exit, so I had driven from like Alexander to Craig, pretty much like snoozing at the wheel, and, and, and I look back, has anybody had moments, not necessarily like that, but maybe you just did something when you were a kid, you know, some of us boys, we like to play with fire, some of us like to, to mess around, has anybody ever had a moment where you look back and you go, wow, God, you still have me here for a reason, like, you still have me here to, maybe, like, I remember thinking about that moment, like, God, I think you've got me here for a reason, and I think that's one of the things we can take courage. Like, if we are here, God has a plan to use his people, and uh, I, I remember thinking, man, I'm, I'm lucky to be here, but to this morning, uh, we're going to walk through a couple portions of scripture, and the first one can be found in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at a few verses starting in verse 17, but today we're going to talk about living a life of significance. God, how do we live a life of meaning? How do, God, how do we respond to this message, to this gospel that we find in the Bible? And I, and I think as, as much as it, it is so important, how many of you would agree it's so important to know God's word? How many of us would agree it, it's so important to be in God's word? Right, if we don't read the playbook, how will we know what to play? How will we know what position to be in? How will we know what to do, right? But I would say even more importantly than knowing God's word, 
is God's word has to go from the head to our heart. We have to live God's word. How many of us know we ever met like a really smart Christian that just doesn't have like a lot of common sense? Anybody, right? That old saying like, man, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. We heard that statement before, right? It's true though. It's true, right? Um, but, but man, I think so often we, we need to be more than just hearers of the word. We need to do it. And so this morning we're going to look at two amazing portions of scripture where Jesus, can I say it like this? It seems to me like Jesus allows his life to be interrupted. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said this, if people want to follow me, they must give up the things they want. They must be willing to give up their lives daily to follow me. Jesus was often willing to stop teaching. He was often willing to stop talking. And he was often willing to do something for people. He was often willing to spend time with people. And I think that's like the question I have on my heart today. Church, are we willing to do something for the Lord? Are we willing to do something for his kingdom? Are we willing to make kingdom impact? Let's read that verse one more time before we get into our core text. Jesus said, if people want to follow me, they must give up the things they want. They must be willing to give up their lives daily and follow me. What does this mean? What does a willing heart look like? What does a willing heart look like? We're going to answer that question today from two stories found in Scripture. And, and, and the first one, you, you may be familiar with it, but this is an interesting one about a, a man literally being lowered through a roof. It's found in Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. Before we get into this Jesus example of interruption, uh, I want us to just picture, picture this culture, picture this house, uh, picture as we're reading scripture this morning, picture your own living room. Anybody here ever had a party at their house? Nobody. You all are a bunch of anti anti-social here at this church, right? No, of course we have, right? Picture, picture your house, picture a, a full party. And, and what I love about this scripture is, is Jesus shows up. Let's, let's, let's read this by beginning in verse 17 of Luke chapter 5. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. I always find this interesting when Jesus is teaching. How, would we, how many of you would like to be teaching all the time? And, and like, we're all here because we want to be. At least we assume that, right? Like you've all, But Jesus, he always finds himself in these situations where like the Pharisees are there giving a grade, right? Like, it's like, like teaching in front of your professor in college all the time, but way worse than that because at least a professor like at a, at a college would be for you. These guys are against him. Look, it says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are sitting there ready for him to make a mistake, right? They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to do what? Would you underline that? Would you? To heal the sick. Verse 18, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. I love this story. They couldn't find a way in through the front door. They don't even try the back door. They just go to the roof, right? They go up on the roof because they could not find a way in. They lowered him, get this, on his mat through the tiles. So there's some damage done to the house. <laughs> through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. 
Picture, picture something like that happening here this morning. Picture something like that happening in your living room. Picture something like that happening thousands of years ago, right? They're just lowering this, this body, this paralyzed man, down through the roof. Um, I, I wonder, and I, I'm reminded of, anybody remember that series called The Donut Man? Any homeschoolers in the house? Two homeschoolers. I need to stop asking rhetorical questions because you guys don't, you're like, no, I wouldn't say it. When there, was a, there was a Christian show called The Donut Man where they gave the perspective, yeah, they gave the perspective of the man that had his house chopped open. And it was this song that went, it, it wasn't quite as beautiful as that song Majesty that we sang earlier. It went like this, it went, there's a hole in my roof. It's the truth, I wouldn't spoof. It was chopped, therefore a man with diseases. And then they lowered him down to see Jesus. Oh, it goes, right? Now what do I do if it rains? Having a hole in my roof is a shame. I'm glad he's feeling better and he's up and around. But if it starts raining, I'm afraid I'm going to drown. That's it. You remember how? That's the power of Sunday school right there, baby. Right? I haven't heard that song in 30 years. And all of a sudden, that Donut Man song about this cat, about this guy, what, you know, what, what is the guy thinking? Imagine them, it says they had to remove tile. So imagine what's going on here. Your, your living room, you're, you're, you're chilling, Jesus is at your house. I always think, what went on inside of the man who owned the house? What went on inside the mind of the man that owned the house? Uh, and I may be a bit of like a jerk, but there would be a part of me that it's like, this man must have been having up until this moment, let's face it, this man who owned the house up until right now has had a great day. He's throwing a party, and he, imagine this, Jesus is at my house. Jesus is preaching, and he is teaching, and it is a full house. Hello, right? Imagine that. Somebody say that, right? Jesus is at my house. This guy's having a good day. All these people are here. Jesus is doing his thing, and then he's inside his house, and then all, all the excitement, after all that, you start seeing a little bit of dust start falling from the ceiling, right? You're throwing this party. You're listening to Jesus preach, Right? He's, he's the hot preacher of his time. He's the teacher of his time. And all the, you, you start hearing a few noises. You start hearing a few things. And then all of a sudden, bam, like this, this body just starts coming Cirque du Soleil out of your roof into the living room, right? This, like, this body just plump, just laying there, coming down. And I just think, guys, you just wrecked my party, right? Think of this guy, right? You just, re you just, how, how, I just, I mean, any, any of our staff even knows. I, right away I'd be going, how much is that going to cost? How much is that going to cost, right? What is, what, what, who did this? We couldn't have let him through the front door? Really? Nobody? Nobody? We couldn't let him through the front door. Well, number one, I think like this guy that owned the house, but really I think when it comes to living the gospel, living the living word, number one, we must be willing to change our attitude. I must be willing to change my attitude, right? That, like my first instinct is often not what would Jesus do, what would Jesus think? My first instinct is often how does this affect me? How does this affect my house? How much is this gonna cost? How am I gonna get this repaired? You boys that tore the roof off better pay for that, right? This guy, but I love it, this paralyzed man, he had friends that, he had no way to get into this house. He had no way to get in touch with Jesus. He had no way to touch the king, right? 
He had no way of touching Jesus, but his friends made a way. I love, I love these friends. They, they, I mean, goodness, goodness, we all need friends. They, they couldn't find a way inside the house, so they tore the roof off the house. Do we, are we tracking here? Right? They literally tore the roof off the house to lower their friend down because they cared about him so much. But that's the same type of love on exam- the example. And I wonder, man, they, they cared about their friends so much. I wonder if they realized this because they understood how much God cared for them. Right? Do we think about that sometimes? Like, I think sometimes it's easy to forget how much God cares for us. How much God cares for us. That he has an attitude that he cares about us, but he also cares about others. Our God cares about people. Would you, right? Would you just say that to someone? God cares about people. And often it's easy for me, uh, it's easy to just kind of like put people by the wayside. God cares about people. Let's look at verse 20. Let's continue on in this passage. When Jesus saw their faith, I love that. He just saw their faith. He said, friends, your sins are forgiven. In verse 22, the, the teachers given the test, right? The, the, the lookers, the Pharisees. Verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Let's, let's repeat that, right? They see this amazing act. This, this person comes lowering through the roof. And picture yourself there. And their first instinct is, well, who's this guy to say he can forgive sins? They don't even seem to care about the, the, the cat that's laying down on the mat, the guy that's been lowered down through the roof. They don't, there's no mention of his, his problem, but they quickly focus on Jesus. Who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Read it with me. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And this is one of the reasons I, I thought about this teaching this week, because remember last week we had an instance with Simon the Pharisee where Jesus did what? He read his thoughts. The Bible says Simon the Pharisee was just thinking about it and Jesus addressed his thoughts. How many of us would like Jesus to address our thoughts this morning? No thank you. <laughs> I will. <laughs> no way. I'm not amen in that one. Don't address my thought. I mean, actually, I do want him to, but how about privately, just to me? I don't want him to tell everybody in the room, right? But Jesus addresses these guys. It says, verse 22, would you underline this? Because God knows. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? It's another example of Jesus supernaturally perceiving the thoughts of the people he's doing life with. And this assumption is correct. The Pharisees are correct in their assumption that who can forgive sins but God alone? That's actually very correct. But if you notice, what I love about Jesus, he doesn't contradict their conclusions that he committed blasphemy because forgiveness of sins, divine healing, what we're going to see that happens next, right? It's totally impossible for a mere human, but Jesus did this. Would you write something like this down? Jesus validated his divine authority to forgive sins in the spiritual realm by demonstrating his divine authority in the physical realm, right? He showed his authority in the spiritual realm by demonstrating his authority in the physical realm because what happens next is amazing. He's going to heal this paralyzed man's legs. Verse 23. Well, you Pharisees got it coming now, right? Don't ask Jesus questions you don't want the answer to, right? Or don't think, think about things he's not going to like, right? Verse 23, Jesus said this, which is easier to say? 
your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat, and I love this, go home. Look at that, I love it. He's like, get up, take your mat, no more, go home. Verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home doing, what do you think is going to happen when you're paralyzed and now you can just run home? He went home doing what? He went home praising God. He had an encounter with Jesus and he was changed, so he goes home. Because of that change, he goes home partying from the party, right? Verse 26, of course. I love it when God shows up and shows off, don't you? Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I love this passage. We have seen remarkable things today. Church, are we seeing remarkable things today? I think sometimes it depends on where we're focusing. If you want to focus on the arguments of culture, sure. If you want to focus on what's going on and who's voting for her, sure. Right? There's some frustrating things. But I happen to notice, has anybody seen like this amazing revival happening in Kentucky? Has anybody seen this? Like days, 12 days of people coming, getting healed, nonstop worship services. Like, God, we are seeing you move. But God, help us fix our eyes on where we are to serve, what we are to do. God, help us fix our eyes on interruptions. I love that it, it said, notice it says, Jesus was preaching and teaching. And what did these guys do? Because so much of us, I mean, right? I remember being a little kid and Oh, oh man, I, he, he wouldn't care if, I don't like name dropping people, but he's a youth pastor now in Colorado. How many of us remember Big Nick Needham? Anybody here? We had a big buddy named Nick Needham, and I remember when I was a kid, Nick was like everybody, or Pastor Greg was everybody's dad, and I think me and Nick were, were walking around in the Hacienda Hotel when he was preaching. And if anybody knows Pastor Greg back in the day, there was a time when kids in the house, you did not get up during the message. Pastor Greg would eat you for lunch, right? And I remember me and Nick, me and Big Nick, we got up, and, and I'm sure we were doing more than just getting up. I think we were probably messing around. And I remember Pastor Greg looked at us, and he didn't even need to speak. He just, he like looked, and he pointed. He gave like the dad, any dads have the dad look? And I, right, we get like this in church, but think about this. Jesus is preaching and teaching, and these people just cut the, they, they remove tiles, and they cut their way into the house. Is it safe to say he was totally interrupted in whatever he was? His preaching was probably over at that point, right? It's like, okay, scrolls put away. Shut your Bibles because there's a hole in the roof. Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted by this paralyzed man. His friends just totally, they ended the service. And yet Jesus goes, oh, no, no. Is it easier for me to forgive sins or is it easier for me to say, get up and walk? You guys are going to see the hand of God in this house today, right? And I think so often, God, help us to have an attitude like that. Help us to have an attitude that's like, God, you know, I don't need to go on a mission trip. I just need to look across the street. God, I just need to, I just need to meet a neighbor, right? And I think sometimes there's an attitude that each of us have that holds us back. What's holding you back from extending the love of Christ to someone? Right, the very grace that has been 
been offered to you? What's holding us back? Because if we're honest, there's often something, right? It could be, well, Joey, you don't really know where I've been. You don't know what I'm into. You don't really know what I've done. Does any of us ever feel that way, right? You don't really know. How could God's not going to use me? You know, we don't know who these friends of the paralyzed guy were. But they sure, they sure were used by the Lord in a mighty, mighty way we're still talking about today. We might have this attitude, God would never use me because of my past, right? You don't know what I've done. God won't use me. But the reality is, all throughout Scripture, we see God use very flawed and broken people to do amazing, amazing things for his kingdom, right? I, don't believe, I think if, if, if you are still breathing, God wants to use you, Right? If you aren't, he wants you in heaven with him, right? If you are still here, he wants to use you. He doesn't want people sitting it out, so to speak. Number two, it's just kind of a simple thing, but would you write this down? I must be willing to do what I can when I can. Following Jesus, it's like, God, what, 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 I must be willing to do what I can do and, and, and when I can honestly do it, right? I was thinking about this. We, we had a chance to do a scout trip down to Mexico last week. But I was thinking, you know, we aren't missionaries by vocation. We are like no, nobody in here, we're not paid to be missionaries, but we are missionaries by location. Think about that for a minute, right? We are missionaries by location where God has placed us. No matter what stage in life you are living in, you are a missionary. You might be a little kid, a big kid, a teenage kid, a college kid, a grandparent kid, whatever it is, right? No matter where you are in life, do what you can do for the Lord when you can do it. I I even think of like a season in my own life. We're almost, we're like kind of, we're not kind of, we're, we're like through the baby season, right? And you might be a young mom where it's like you got you got like kids all under the age of five. You know, and, and you know what? Your mission field, your calling might be to raise those kids right now. That is not something to be discouraged by, but that's something to jump into. That's something to be encouraged to do, right? Uh, we have, we have a, um, an amazing group. Th- think about like what we can do when we can do it. Some of, some of you, and, and they won't want to raise their hands anyways, and you guys aren't the type of crowd that's into, into raising your hands today, but we have a lot of amazing retired folks that literally feed our community through our food pantry ministry, right? They stand out here every, wow, they do. Would, I don't know, some of them, would you raise your hand if you're in here and you help with that? I know Chuck's over here, Linda's over here. Linda, would you raise your hand? You're here every Wednesday, right? But man, there are some folks that they do what they can do when they can do it, right? And they, they give so many food boxes each and every week, making a difference. No matter what season or stage in life you're in, God wants to use your gifts. He wants to use your talents. Can we get into one more story in Scripture today before we, we close as I kind of get to the halfway point? Is that all right? Would you flip over one more chapter in Scripture? We're going to read through a, few, a lot of verses, actually, I think 10 or 11 more. John chapter 8, verse 1. John chapter 8, verse 1. And this is another section of Scripture that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. Um, and it, it kind of seems like, you know, these Pharisees were some, some messed up dudes. They were some interesting cats. But let's read about this story, the second story of Jesus doing ministry. And while he's doing ministry, he's totally interrupted. Okay, Verse 1, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was 
Back again at the temple, a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, they brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. A lot of grace on display from these guys, right? Interesting to me. There's so many questions we could ask about this story, right? This would be one where like, man, if you're having coffee this week with someone, just talk about this story because it's kind of like if you place yourself in the culture, if you place yourself in the story, there's a lot going on It's going to make you scratch your head. But the Bible says this, not only did they bring her in front of Jesus, it says this, they, they put her in front of the crowd. They put her in front of the crowd. They, they acted as judge, as jury. They said, she's guilty, and they're going to make a mockery. They're making a mockery of this woman. Verse 4. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Verse 5. The law of Moses says to stone her. And that is accurate. The law of Moses says to stone her. That is what is written. What do you say? And... Uh, how many of you ever had a situation where there is, there's no win? Jesus is being put on blast. He's being put to the test. He's, he's basically, they're just trying to trick him, to trap him, to mess with him, to, to just keep poking at him, right? But look at what Jesus does with this woman when he's interrupted by such an interesting story. Number three, we're going to see what Jesus offers. And what Jesus offers, I think the church should offer. What Jesus offers, I want to offer. Would you write this down? Number three, I must be willing to offer God's grace. We see the Pharisees and the teachers do anything but that. They, they <laughs> have no idea how this happens, right? They grab this lady, put her on display in front of the whole church. Say, she's a, she's a cheater. Scarlet letter treatment, right? Um, but if we get into this story, there's so many questions to ask, and Jesus is now interrupted, and these men are... They're not offering any forgiveness, any type of grace. And, and really, we, we could talk about this for a while, but these guys had the wrong intentions from the start. Uh, first of all, here's a good question. When there's an affair, where's, where's the other guy? Right? Right? Like this woman had an affair. Okay. With who? <laughs> where's the dude? Right? In this story. Like, Maybe, you know, and then you kind of wonder, like, how do they know about this? I just kind of think, like, maybe it was one of the teachers themselves. Maybe it was one of the Pharisees. Like, how do they know? Like, how do you know? They just go around, like, what are you, peeking through the wind? Like, never mind, right? There's so much, like, so many questions. I got so many questions about this story. But where was the guy? Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, it says clearly in the Old Testament. And Jesus didn't come out and say this, but, but this is what it says. It says, both the man and the woman caught in adultery must to be put to death. And here's the reality of this situation, because they were trying to, to, trick, to trip him up. They asked Jesus if he agreed with this punishment that was under the Mosaic law, right? And in verse 6, we see how they're trying to, to trick him. And basically, if Jesus says, yes, we should follow the Mosaic law, if, if he, he would be accused of violating, they'd say, well, then, hey, you're violating the laws of Moses, and we know you're not the real deal. If he agreed that she should be executed, they could report him to the Romans because the Romans were occupying. They were occupying the Jewish people at that time, and the Jews weren't carried, they weren't permitted to carry out their own executions. And so Jesus really is in a spot where they're just looking for an answer. Verse 6, it says this. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. 
And look what Jesus did. It says, but Jesus, he stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. I love that it says Jesus didn't answer. You know, sometimes I think we can learn from that. Sometimes, church, we don't have to defend ourselves. Sometimes we don't have to, right? Sometimes we, we can allow God to fight for us, right? It just says he waited. Jesus waited and he waited and he wrote something and we don't really know what he wrote, but verse seven says this, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, right, since you want an answer, he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then it says this in verse eight, this is amazing. he stooped down again and He's just writing in the dust two times. Two times. He's just writing in the dust. He didn't say the woman should be punished for her offense. He didn't say she shouldn't be. But he said, who has the authority to execute this divine punishment? Who has the authority to do this? And you know what's interesting? The only one who had the authority to pick up a stone and actually use it, right, is the one that said, no, 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 no. Whoever has not sinned, Go ahead and start throwing stones. Jesus could have condemned the woman. He could have condemned her, but he was the only one qualified to throw a stone at her. Let's look at verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Isn't that interesting? Think of, think of yourself being here, this, right, this mob mentality. This, this scarlet letter moment. I think of those books I read in high school, right? This, like, right, we got to get rid of her. She's a sinner. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of zip their lips and they just quietly back away and they go about their day. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, probably the wisest of the group, right? The oldest. I love how it says that, beginning with the oldest. How many of you know sometimes ages, they figured it out quick? It says, beginning with the oldest, they were like, have I ever sinned? And they looked back on their life, and they remembered being in their 20s. And they were like, oh, I did. They remember being in their teens. Oh, I'm going go to go on about my day today. Beginning with the oldest. I love scripture. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd. With who? Look who he was with. It says, with the woman. With the woman caught, brought before the crowd, the woman who they intended on, it embarrassed her. Verse 10, then Jesus stood up again. And it's interesting, like is he just still down there scribbling in the sand, right? And it says Jesus stood up. And look who he faces. He, he sees the woman. He stood up again and he says to the woman, where are your accusers? And it's like poof, they gone, <laughs> Right? It's, it's shocking, right? When, he, when they all kind of deal with the, some issues of the heart. Who, who has never sinned? Go ahead and throw a stone at her. He says, oh, it's interesting. They're all gone, aren't they? But he looks at her. and Look at what Jesus says. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Didn't even one? Verse 11, no, Lord, she said. And look what Jesus says. Well, neither do I. And he says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. I don't, I don't condemn you, right? But now it's time for an, an abrupt turn, an abrupt change to walk the other way, right? And I love this story because it's a reminder that 
guys, we are not like Jesus. We can't forgive sins. That's not our job. But our job is certainly not to be like the Pharisees and the teachers, right? right, We have attitudes that can, we can point people away from Jesus and make them go running away from Jesus, or we can we can have an attitude and we can use words and we can use wisdom and point them to a God that wants to restore them, a God that wants to heal them, a God that wants to make them new and renew their minds and their, their, their lives, right? We have a God that we know the Bible says he, he doesn't love sin. The Bible actually says he hates sin. But we know God loves people, right? The, the God we serve, he does not like sin. He does not love sin, but he loves sinners. And every time sinners are they're us they're people so we can offer god's grace second corinthians chapter one i think this is our final verse today second corinthians chapter one all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ god is our merciful father and the source of all comfort he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You know, when we talk about sin, when we talk about mistakes, when we talk about hurting, when we talk about depression, the Bible says, I love this verse in 2 Corinthians, he comforts us in our troubles so that what? So that we can just go watch movies and go check out Ant-Man this weekend? No, so we can be a comfort to others. He gives us grace so we can extend grace to others. One of the ways we can share the love of Christ with people is just by being real with each other. It's often very hard, isn't it? Right? We don't like talking about marriage struggles. We don't like talking about mental health issues. We don't like talking about depression. We don't like talking about addiction. We don't like talking about loss. But the reality is, first, second Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4, it's, it's saying like, man, who better than to comfort someone who is walking through a specific type of cancer than someone who has walked through that cancer? Right? Like that's living out this scripture. Who better to, to comfort someone who's dealing with depression than, than, than someone who has spent their life Getting help, getting counseling, being in God's word, dealing with that stuff, right? I think, of, I think of all the different ways we have seen the body of Christ comfort overs, people comforting each other through loss. Let's read that one more time. Let that scripture sink in and maybe let it speak to us today. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort who God has given to us. God wants his people to use the things we are going through or that we have been through to help others. How do we get there? How do we do it? Well, I kind of just talked about it at the very beginning, and and we could just finish up here. Number four. Number four. We must be willing to let my life be interrupted. I must be willing to let my schedule be interrupted. I think it's interesting, and we've been speaking about this in some, some leadership meetings. All, you know, all the great stories, and, and generally in Jesus' ministry, they seem to be very unplanned. The, the, right? They seem to be very organic. It seems like he's just walking along the road, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, there's these 10 sick guys. 
right? He, it, it, it's interesting. He, he's, he's walking through a crowd and a, and a lady wants to touch his garment, right? There's a moment where he's interrupted by people needing healing. It seems like he's always interrupted by his disciples. God bless those guys, right? He's always interrupted by his disciples. It seems like he's, he's interrupted by the sinful woman. He's interrupted by the centurion. He's interrupted by the, remember the guy who was possessed by demons? Oh my goodness, Jesus' life, he was interrupted by the, the 10 men that they had leprosy. And how many, how many of them came back to say thank you out of the 10, right? It was one. All throughout his ministry, it seems like Jesus, could we say he used or he almost seemed to thrive off interruptions. He used interruptions to do something amazing. He used interruptions as opportunities, right? And it, I, I love it because he wasn't distracted by the craziness coming down through the roof. But Jesus used interruptions to show the power of God. I wonder how often God has a situation planned out for us each and every day that maybe, is it, is it possible that we miss it because we are so concerned with something else? Right? I'm, I'm willing to bet, God, if you would give us, give us your, your Holy Spirit God, give us what, let us see what you see each and every day to see how an interruption, how an inconvenience can be turned, can be flipped for your kingdom, right? But so often it's like we, we get caught up in our stuff. Uh, I, I feel like, man, distract, anybody here easily distracted? All of us, right? I feel like we're so easily distracted. It's just, it's like, what are your distractions? It could be money. Your distraction could be a relationship, your distraction could be sports, it could be TV, it could be work, whatever it is, what keeps us from doing what God wants us to do? I love this verse, Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And, and this is an interesting verse because this is Jesus talking in this verse. The Living Bible says it this way, and I can relate to this translation a little bit more. He says, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I planned for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's from Jesus, right? That's not my opinion. That's God's word. Can I read that one more time? Because uh, is anybody here? I read that verse and I go, ouch. <laughs> ouch. Oh, that one hits. But it speaks to me this morning because it speaks to me about what's the priority? What am I pursuing? Is it money? Is it things? Is it, is it just the busyness of a day, right? But let's read this verse one more time. This is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And, and this is a big one. How many of us sometimes we come across Scripture and we're like, oh, that one got me, right? Anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. I would argue that culturally we are more busy with, with stuff that doesn't even matter than ever before. We are more distracted by things that do not matter than ever before. If you don't believe me, just watch like a teenager on their TikTok. Or maybe watch an adult on their TikTok. I don't even know, right? But like we are just, we're like, we're like, we're like so distracted. I think we have to make a conscience conscious effort to allow our day to allow our thoughts to allow ourselves to be interrupted 
We have to make a, we have to like make, it's like work. We got to make, we got to make, make our faith work. We got to put it into work and say, God, I'm willing to be interrupted today. I'm willing to, to turn my phone off at that meeting today. I'm willing to, to look at this person across the table in my eyes and actually talk about something other than football now that football season's over. Whatever, right? But I'd say, man, I think one of the greatest ways God will use our life is if we just allow ourselves to be interrupted. If we allow ourselves, can we say it like this? Sometimes interruptions are inconvenient. Nobody said amen on that one, but that's an amen. Sometimes interruptions are inconvenient. I remember like sometimes like driving youth kids home, and of course the kid that needs the ride home lives at Nellis Air Force Base. Every time, right? It was before I knew we could get reimbursed for fuel. I was like, what? Right? Like every time the, the youth, right? But if we allow our, but I, I look at like even that particular group of kids that they have all four of their kids in ministry today, right? Like if we allow ourselves to be interrupted, if we allow ourselves to be inconvenienced, just like this, this paralyzed man, he, he had no way of getting through that front door on his own. But could we close with this as we pray this morning? God, this world is, and I know I mentioned revival, but there is a sense, we, 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 we see how broken our world is, right? We, we can focus on revival. We, we need to focus on all of it. But our world is broken because of sin. And we see the repercussions of sin everywhere, right? But the reality is there are people that are dealing with pain that they didn't ask for. There are people dealing with pain that they don't understand. And what can we do about that? But I think it's like that God is, is, is looking for people that are willing to be inconvenienced. He's looking for people that are willing to, to lose some of their, their time, willing to lose some of their money, inconvenienced by hurt, sinful people. people. God's looking for people that, you know what, God, you can change my plans today. God, you can change my plans today. You can change my dinner plans. You can change my, my plans when I go to work or the gym, whatever it is, right? But man, I, th I think of kind of what I said earlier. We don't, we don't have to go to Mexico or Africa. I mean, it's, it's really good that we do those things, that we serve people, that we show them God's love, that we take the gospel to the world, right? But man, I think sometimes we forget, just, just go across the street. Like, just say hi to your neighbor. Just go across the street. Do the people you work with know about this king that you serve? Do the people you work with know? Do they, do they know or do you just quiet about it, right? So as we close, will we be people that help? Will we be people that are interrupted? Interrupted like Jesus was interrupted. And it's interesting because every time Jesus was interrupted, it's not like he was interrupted by like the celebrity of the day, was he? I don't, most of the, I don't, not, I mean, maybe the centurion had a title. He had a name, but he had a big ask. He had a request. Most of the time when Jesus was interrupted, he was interrupted by the sick. He was interrupted by the lowly. He was interrupted by the hurting. He was interrupted by the broken. He was interrupted by the cheater. He was interrupted by, by oh my gosh, he was interrupted by dirty, dirty people. That's just the reality of it. Most of the time, he was interrupted by dirty, broken, sinful people. And here we go, he was interrupted by lost people. He was interrupted by people who were lost. 
And can we just be folks that maybe when we leave today, God, the Holy Spirit just stirs something in you that says, you know what? God, interrupt me today, interrupt me this week that I may point someone who is lost in the direction of Jesus. That I may just point them your way. In Jesus' name, let's bow our heads. God, we come to you and we thank you for this time in your word. God, can we just, maybe if you're like me, I just I feel like this is on my heart. God, forgive me for those times where, where I don't want to be interrupted. <laughs> That's my prayer today. God, forgive me for those times where I don't want to be inconvenienced by people. Because sometimes people are inconvenient. God, forgive me for those times where I don't want to be around people, for those times when I, I, I see people hurting and I think someone else will take care of it. <laughs> someone else will do it. There's a program for that. I just want to ask, if you've ever felt this way, would you just lift your hand? You can just say, God, God, just open my eyes. No one looking around, right? We can just say this, God, we can just pray this together as we close. Lord, help me to be inconvenienced. Help me be, to be willing to look at things. Holy Spirit, convict me on the spot. No matter what stage in my life that I am in, God, help me to do something. Lord, place it. Can we pray this? Lord, place it on my time to recognize those times where I'm being inconvenienced. It's probably the thing, the time that annoys you the most is when you're being inconvenienced. God's going, right now I want you to do something. Don't look at it as a burden. Look at it as an opportunity. An opportunity to take action. Lord, help me to care about broken and hurting and lost people. That's the best way I can think of to live the word that we have. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Can we say amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.